Today is Thursday, February 18th, and this is Make It So. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Make It So podcast. We're going to talk about the entries for challenge number three, which was the keyword slash event challenge. The word is the key. Yes, it is, Neil. Did you get a chance to look at the team's entries? I sure did. I looked at all four of the team's entries, and the cards seem to be getting better and better as the challenges go by. With, with, with only a couple of exceptions. I agree with you, Neil, and I, and I can tell you that they've really got some processes figured out. and They've had to change some of their processes over the challenges, especially the, the Cardassians, because they're down two people now. It seems like the teams have found something that's working for them in, in terms of their communication, and the, I think the quality of the cards reflects that. That being said, I think there are still some pretty problematic cards here, and I think it's your and I's responsibility to give our first impressions on some of these cards. Well, my first impression of the Bajoran cards, and most of them have a very fun title and some attached lore, and some of them even have uh, notes on, on like what kind of picture would be displayed on the card and, and what episode and what the theme of the card was. And that, that makes me excited because that means they're not only putting thought into how to construct a card, but they're really trying to integrate it with, with the Star Trek world and with our game. Well, the Bajorans picked Glynn, Jordan Resistance, Nebula, Thief, and Smuggler as their keywords they were going to use. Any any surprises in there for you? Not really. That's a pretty good mix of, of keywords that are underused. The challenge, however, was to reference keywords, not just place keywords on cards. And I, I all right off the bat, I have to say, I am not sure Ferengi Bug meets the objective of the challenge. I'm more than not sure. I'm absolutely sure. It does not reference any keywords whatsoever in the card. And you can use this with a thief deck and pickpocket to, you know, rig the top card of the deck. And, and I understand that, but I look at this card and the first thing I think of is Prejudice and Politics, which is Romulans, which has nothing to do with the keyword. That, that actually was, was my first thought as well, thinking that with this card in play, in two turns, once you get your P&P engine set up, you score 10 points every turn because you can rig the top of their deck incredibly easily. So by the time you finally decide to leave your homeworld, you have 40 or 50 points with the ability to just get more points as much as you want. This card seems to be towards the end of Broken. I can just spend my yeah. counters to make sure all of your ships are on the bottom of your deck, which means you're never going to get to leave your homeworld until you've drawn through your whole deck. And when you're talking on, on different deck types, uh, if you want to play Tongo, you can also score 5, 10, or 15 points every turn because you always know what number you need to beat. So this this card seems to be high on the power scale. You know, here's the thing: they have another card stacking the deck that I that I really like. That I think is a yeah. much much better way to do this. Play a thief. You can look at the top cards of their deck equal to that thief's cost, and replace it in any order. So that that allows you to rig your pickpocket, but it also does it in a way that you know references that keyword and boosts that keyword. Whereas Frangie Bug does pretty much the same thing, but just you know craps all over the the costing scale and the the rules of the competition. So, I mean, those two cards are functionally the same thing, but one is so much better than the other. Yeah. Second the deck, actually, I really like. I think it's a brilliant card. I think it's probably a little under-costed at zero, but, you know, I'm not going to knock them too hard on the cost scale. Oh, well, yeah, the cost scale is a little bit complicated. I also really like the 
theme that they went with it, because Bada Bing, Bada Bang was one of my favorite episodes. Absolutely. So I want to talk about legitimate targets, which is their Bajoran resistance. And I think this is one of those good examples of a great idea that ended up kind of screwy. Uh, being able to murder all of my opponent's people just because one of my personnel dies or is captured seems a little aggressive and a little powerful. I mean, it kills every copy of a named personnel that I name. So if I'm playing against androids, if you kill any of my people with a dilemma, I can kill all of your Shun-type androids. Even if you're not killing two or three people a turn, if you're playing androids, I wouldn't say Shun-type android first. I'd say Lord first. I take out your biggest personnel at not much of a cost to me. Yeah, because it's going to happen anyway. And then, you know, it, it combos with leverage, which is, I think, was probably their intent, but it's pretty powerful. I'm not entirely sure that that's a good idea. Now, I do really like their military efficiency, which is their Glyn card. Did, did you get a look at that one? Yeah, that, that card is also useful, and it doesn't look like it's too uh, too overpowered. Yeah, I, I would have probably upped the cost a little bit so that it really doesn't benefit you until later. You know, you, you kind of look sure. at it, if, if I'm going to play a Glyn for free... I want to pay for that ability up front so that the first or second time I use it, it's it's not broken even yet, and then then it breaks even, and then I start getting a benefit from it. I also like the idea of the Trilithium Heist. The Trilithium Heist was kind of funny because it deals with actually smugglers, which is really a big uh, concept in our game. I mean, I mean, smugglers are in it, but there's not many things that reference it. But this one really kind of fits in with the smuggler theme, so it's very thematic. I think it's two things in one, and it should probably be two separate cards. I think the, sure. the the text where you can download a card when you use a, when your smuggler uses a skill, I think that's good, and that should have been it. I don't the thief part being on there, taking command of opponent's events. That's that's a screwy thing to do. That's a very bored thing to do on a card like this. That's where ninety percent of the people that are going to use it are non-aligned. Now you've given everybody in the game the ability right. to crib events from the opponent. I think that was some cultural bleed there. So I think this card would have been a a perfect 10 if they'd left off the second ability. That's probably true. Taking command of events is a little kind of touch and go. The reason the board can get away with it, of course, is because the board don't have access to many other facets of the game because they don't have access to non-aligned and they don't have access to any personnel that aren't just purely the board. So they can have some special abilities that are not really available to other people because they lack special abilities that are available to everybody else. It, 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 it's definitely a thematic card, even if it goes maybe a little bit too far. I think overall the Bajorans did okay. They have a couple cards that are interesting but kind of flat, like the Nebula card. They have a couple cards that are nice, like the Glen card, and the card that lets the thieves rig the top of your opponent's deck. But then they have a couple cards that just either break the power scale or ignore the requirements of the challenge. And I'm really curious to see how the judges are going to react to that. Well, let's go on over and look at the Cardassians on the other side of the Bajoran Cardassian fight. Well, the keywords that the Cardassians chose were waiter, hare, smugglers, hand weapon, glen, and crime. Yeah, the, the one that stands out to me there is hand weapon, but other than that, I can't disagree with them. And the top card I see up here is the card, What Can I Get You?, which is the replicate waiter card. This is one of my favorite cards out of the whole challenge. It, it really, really feels uh, very Ferengi-esque or very waiter-esque, and it does reference that waiter keyword, which there isn't really anything else in the game that references it. There's one card that's stop your double girl or waiter to do something, but yeah, that, that waiter is kind of underused. It's also one of the keywords that I think is kind of stupid that's in the game. That's neither here nor there. It, I like the reference to replicate. 
replicates a very poorly understood keyword, and I appreciate the attempt to give it a boost. And the fact that they, they integrated their waiter keyword with the replicate keyword is pretty clever. I give them some kudos for that. Yeah. I like the concept of the card. I think there's some, some wording issues on it. I think they could have used a couple other polishing passes on it, but I, li- I like the concept of it. It's like a, a very fun card that would fit very, very well in a printy deck. Now let's talk about the fire caves. Yeah. I distinctly remember last week us talking about not putting power rate and profit on the same card unless you come up with a really good reason why you'd want to do so. And I don't think they came up with a really good reason. Yeah, I really don't understand why a card that's representing the home of the Pares would have a profit keyword on it, ever. Also, especially since they don't reference it. I think that was a mistake. Alright, well, I had a brief conversation earlier uh, this week with the AI, the artificial intelligence, who's one of our judges. Robot. Yes, do you know what he said? No. He said from now on that anybody who uses the number three when they should be spelling out the word three is going to be punished severely. I don't know if he means, you know, agony booth or something like that, or if he's just going to fail their card on principle. But if it is the number of personnel you need to play the event, you know, you must command three personnel, you have to spell it out. If it is a number in terms of adding two attributes, you use the number. I'm tired of seeing this mistake. The artificial intelligence isn't going to cut any more breaks on this. He may not even cut breaks on this one, because I know that at least two of the teams did that, and that might bite him in the butt. The judges told them about it in the first challenge. Stop doing this. And they're still doing it, and that's very disappointing. All right. Well, with that all said, what do you think of business pleasure? I think it's interesting. I don't like Dilemma Choke. Dilemma Choke being denial of the ability to draw dilemmas, or more specifically, Returning dilemmas that are already overcome back to the deck. TOS McCoy, that kind of stuff. There's a reason there's very little of it in the game, and making it require three smugglers, which are almost all non-aligned, not real, not real thrilled about it. Toss that into any spicy deck. I like the idea of this being related to smuggling run. They're very similar triggers, so I think that's fairly clever. I just, I don't think the dilemma return should be on there. How about mercy or vengeance? I think mercy or vengeance is high on the power scale, unfortunately. I think if you're going to unstop people after combat, they not have to not be able to participate in combat again that turn, regardless of if there's a choice whether they do that or not. I know that I know that kind of came up as as to why that wasn't involved is because uh, th- there is an additional choice that can just get bad in a hurry. There's, there's only one card in the game that'll let you unstop your personal after combat to and be able to re-combat, and he's really hard to use. I question the wisdom of making a card that references hand weapons. Hand weapons were were not on any of the lists that I would have ever thought we could have made about keywords that were underused. There's definitely many, many cards that reference hand weapons and missions. So looking looking at trusted aids and blackmail, I almost want to call shenanigans on these. Why? Because you don't actually need play the keywords to use these cards. Trusted Aid says you download a Glen and remove it from the game to boost your goal. That one's culturally enforced because there are no non-aligned goals. I don't have to play Glens. I get no benefit for playing Glens or having Glens in play. I just have to stock them in my deck. If you, especially when you look down at Blackmail, which is the same thing, it's discard a crime card from hand. Sure. I could put that in any deck. I could use that in a board deck. All I have to do is put them in my deck. I don't have to actually play them. Yes, technically, it's, it's encouraging you to put the cards in your deck, but is it really encouraging you to use them? Is it really giving those keywords a boost? I actually really like the card blackmail. I thought it was very, very spicy and fun. 
But I do understand what you're trying to say, though. I like the card, too, but if it was remove a crime card in your core from the game to do it, right? or return a crime card to hand, or or something along those lines, then absolutely, it would have been a a five-star, thumbs-up, congratulations card. As it is, it's kind of a cheat. It's kind of an end run around the requirements of the challenge. Overall, the Cardassians, thumbs up, thumbs down. I'd give them a thumbs up. They did a good job this week. So if you had to call the battle between the Bajorans and the Cardassians, how would you call it? I think if we were comparing five cards versus five cards, it would be it would be really, really close, and, and I might head over the Bajorans, but unfortunately this challenge is six cards versus six cards, and I have to give it to the Cardassians. I don't know which way I would judge it, but I can't disagree with your logic. I love the Bajorans, such a deeply spiritual culture, but they make a dreadful ale. Never trust ale from a God-fearing people or a Starfleet commander that has one of your relatives in jail. Well, on the other side, we have the Klingons versus the Romulans. The Klingons chose five keywords. They did Alpha, they did Bajoran Resistance, Glyn, Host, and they did two cards for Smugglers. I thought a lot of the Klingon cards were, were really good. I'm a little sketchy on placing personnel instead of playing personnel. Uh, I understand that they're trying to place an alpha personnel, and there's not really all that many alpha personnel in the game, and one of them, of course, is cost zero. That kind of feels of one-y and not so much two-y. That's kind of one of the innovations of two-y was is making people more or less powerful depending on their cost. Right, right, but it's not unheard of for the Dominion. I mean, they have Gelnon. They essentially have taken Gelnon's text and put it on this, but you have to go fight first. Sure. It's interesting. I I like the idea to support Alpha. They have that that numeral three on there, and I know we talked about on the other side. That's going to cost them. It might cost them this time, but it's definitely going to cost them in the future. I don't know. I like that they made it non-unique. I mean, that doesn't matter at all. You can't use it more than once. It's, It's not like it's each time you win an engagement, you get to do it where it would be broken in multiples. This, I mean, you still have to put a card on there. It's just nice, because there's no reason to make it unique, so they made it non-unique. I like that. I I wish, overall, there had been more non-unique cards. There were definitely lots of unique cards in all the sets. Right, and one of the unique cards was their Bajoran Resistance entry, called Nowhere Safe. This goes back to what you were talking about on Dilemma Choke you're stuffing dilemmas beneath on headquarters missions, and we're not a big fan of this card. Yeah, I'm not either, and I'll tell you why. It's because of their kind of complicated trigger. If an opponent uses unexpected difficulties to try to stop me, if I have a Bajoran Resistance person, I get a free dilemma. The way this is worded, just the natural use of those events, which are your only ways to get extra dilemmas or manipulate your dilemmas, is now backfiring and hurting you. If it had just said, when an opponent prevents an event, I, I would have been much, much happier with it. I, I really don't like that on there. That that shouldn't be on there. So what do you think about the Cardassian card referencing Glens when completing missions to score points? I don't want to sound like a negative Nancy, but I don't like this card. First of all, number three, bad, bad, bad. Next reason I don't like it, I have to be playing a Cardassian deck to use it, and if I'm playing a Cardassian deck, I'm obviously going to be playing people, and this triggers... Every single time I play a Cardassian. Every single time I play a Cardassian, I have a chance to bring a personnel into play for free. Well, yeah, but Charlie, there's not a lot of Glims in the game right now. This card being in the game pretty much says, don't you dare ever make another Glim again. 
Because sure. every time we make a Glyn, that's going to make this card even more powerful. That is a good point. The way the card is triggered, every time a Glyn uses a skill, if I have three copies of this, I can, you know, discard those three to get 15 points. I think that's a little powerful. I would have liked to see either the card cost more or it remove itself from the game to do the, the scoring of the points. But I really think the easiest solution would have just been to make it unique and... You know, you can get five points, and you can play another one. What, one thing I did like about this card is I'm pretty sure this team meant it to be a reference to assigned mission specialists from first edition. Are you, are you familiar with that card? I'm not. Uh, in one e, a mission specialist is a personnel with just one skill and nothing else. It, it lets you do some other stuff, but essentially, every time your mission specialist uses a skill, you get to score five points. So I like the fact that this is a nod to assigned mission specialists. I just don't like anything else about it, unfortunately. <laughs> And we finally see the keyword host, which in my mind is one of the least used keywords in the whole game. On the face of it, it's somewhat deceptively complicated, but I kind of like it. I'm not entirely sure it would fit on a template. I hope they check that, because if it didn't, I know they're going to get slammed for it. But, you know, the storyline for this is just brilliant. You, you play a host, you can go download one of the previous hosts, and while your hosts are doing a mission, you can call on your previous experience. I, th I think it's a cleverly packaged card. I think it's excellent story. My only real problem with helping host really helping Deep Space Nine, and, and I guess they, they kind of need the help. Yeah, they do. I, I think it's a good card. I like it. I also like it. I like boosting the ability to, to cheat around skills, especially when you're when you're doing it with, with lifetimes of experience. I, I think it's clever the way they worded it, too, so that you, you don't gain skills that the host already has. You just gain the skills that your previous host had that you don't. What did you think of their card's secret compartment, the Decay card? Well, my first reaction is this card is in all ways better than Energize. Whenever you make a card that is in all ways better than an existing card, I get a little worried. Especially since this is not a culturally enforced card. Once, once again, it's a smuggler card. Anybody who can run non-alliance can use it, which essentially means everybody but Borg. I think it's a nice idea, but I think it's a bad execution. Because it is in almost every way better than Energize. Well, it's not in all ways better than Energize. Because it only reduces the, the cost on a personnel by two, where Energize is cumulative, so your third personnel you, you play is cost minus six. I'm not a big fan of, of decay cards with the ability to take those cards off. It's not many decay cards that stick around for very long. That's why decay cards are usually pretty powerful is because they're powerful, but then they run out and destroy themselves. It's kind of a poor use of Decay. I mean, they could have just as easily said, you know, you may only have one card on this at a time. It's not unique. You put three of them out. You know, I stop three smugglers. I have three copies of it out to do that. I sure. just, you know, it's it's got some flaws to it. It's, 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 it's almost strictly better than Energize, and it's available to everybody. The last card they put Replicate on, so we see another usage of the Replicate keyword, and they also reference smugglers. I actually really, really like this card. It's It's got a touch of power to it. It's got the ability to almost be abused, but not really be abused. And it's got the ability to bite you in the bum. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think there's a rules gray area here that I don't know if they researched or not, but I like the idea. It looks like the Romulans used six different keywords. They used genetically enhanced, crime, pejoran resistance, general, Mako and Smuggler. I understand General because by numbers, there's not a lot of cards that refer to Generals. 
but unfortunately I think that the power of the cards that do refer to generals kind of takes general off the list, for, at least for me. Well, and, and really, aren't most of the generals Klingons? Actually, Bajorans have the most generals. Well, right, they have a non-unique general, so they can get the most generals in play. I wouldn't help the Klingons at all, in, in, sure. in, unless that was a, a requirement of the challenge. I mean, the card itself isn't bad. I'm really not a fan of sit-at-home people. I don't like abilities on personnel that encourage you to hide them away at your headquarters, and they never go out and do anything. Korath the Klingon is a great example. And that's why Deal with the Count Man was made. You know, I'm going to splash Starfleet and just run this one guy to get his really awesome ability, and he never leaves the headquarters. I do give him props for saying you can't combat again. That was good. Also, yeah. I like the uh, Doctor Strange love reference. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Let me... It is always fun to see referencing uh, alternate science fiction uh, genres. I don't know. I guess I'm nitpicking a little bit with it. I, I just think my personal advice would be to avoid making abilities that encourage you to sit. That's not good for the game. It's not healthy. Now, what I do like, what I really like, is this Bajoran Resistance card. Of all of the ones that we've seen, this is my favorite. Simple, easy, very useful. Yeah, and it's perfect for the Bajorans. It, it's clever. It's good. It, it wants me to play with Bajoran Resistance personnel, but it also enables their affiliation strategy. I, th I think it's an excellent card. Take it to the testers. Get it printed. So what do you think of this card, Unnatural Selection? This is one of the few cards in the competition that I think really captured the spirit of what we were looking for. This card is exciting. It makes me want to go out and build a new deck. It makes me want to see more genetically enhanced personnel. I would love to see this card in an expansion next to, like, some of Khan's followers, for example. It is pretty fun to see the, gen the genetically enhanced personnel just jumping in front of each other. And you get a, bit of, a little bit of a limited selection on who gets picked. Even if someone gets picked, they still have to suffer the consequences of a dilemma. But you get to pick who gets to suffer those consequences. Right. I just like the idea of, like, Khan and his genetically engineered army, and Khan's just standing in the back with all of your mission skills, and everybody just keeps jumping in front of him, taking all these phaser blasts. And sure, you might get to the end of the dilemma stack, and it's Khan and some cunning five schmo that can't solve the mission, but Khan's still alive, and that's just that's just cool. I like that. So, this next card made me go look up a word. What do you think of this card? I think the card is too powerful. I think it breaks the power of the curve. I, I understand that there are some other cards in the game that have this same effect of authoring spend through dilemmas, and their cost is closer to what the cost of this card is, but I think this one goes above and beyond. I don't know. This card has certainly been controversial. It's provoked quite a bit of debate about whether it's it's over-costed or under-costed. I think the cost is close to right. Uh, I'm a little concerned about the fact that it gives you something else plus the plus three plus three. Uh, the fact that it lets you shuffle your dilemma pile is a great acknowledgement to the current state of the metagame and all the, the, the dilemma pile man rigging and manipulation with, with stuff like Wharf and tampering with time. I like that, but I don't, I don't think you should get that and the plus three plus three for what you're paying for here. It doesn't say you may shuffle your dilemma pile. It says you discard a crime card to shuffle your dilemma pile. There's a lot of times where I don't want to shuffle my dilemma pile because I look down and I see that that a lot of the cards are facing up. But since I know what's in my dilemma pile, I've got a pretty good idea on what's left. And I might not want to shuffle. Right, but in that kind of dilemma pile, I don't think you'd run this card anyway. What really bothers me about this card is something we mentioned earlier. It's, it's not really benefiting crime, encouraging me to play them. If it was, you may destroy your crime card to do what it says, I would probably sign off on it. 
I could really run three of these because it's a crime card too. So I play one and then I have two, I can do it twice. Which if I'm playing a speed deck that's trying to go fast, that's probably enough. Alright, so they have two cards that they pulled from uh, Enterprise episodes, and the first one is their Mako card. I absolutely positively don't think the Makos need any help whatsoever. I think the Mako keyword is very solid. There's enough things that reference it that make it a viable strategy. There's enough powerful things that make it difficult to stop unless you're specifically trying to stop it. The infamous Major Hayes, who could just poof himself across the universe, to jump into your mission attempt. I, I like the idea, but I, th I think they should have to be present with the Mako to, to get that benefit. That would fit a lot more with the title of the card. Makos all work on being present with each other. I think they missed an opportunity there. I, I like the idea. I don't object to Makos being assisted. I, ju I just think it should have been a true bodyguard. You know, I'm going to jump in front of this bullet and die for you because that was my job. I actually really like this card. You, you like the black market? Yeah, I do. Okay, what do you like about it? I like that it is a weak uh, early game card, and it's a stronger late game card. It's still powerful, but it's on a decay, so it's okay to put powerful effects on decay cards, because you don't get them very long. Yeah, that's that's pretty effing good. It's cool, but it's also only once a turn, so you can't just bam, 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 a bunch of stuff. It costs four, so I mean, it's not, it's not cheap. It's not, you aren't going to get a head counter to using it, but you can get this. It's, it's, it's kind of like a poor man's, uh, you've always been my favorite. You're not going to get a head counter to it, but you get cool stuff. Yeah, I, I don't dislike this card. It, it, it's interesting. I, I, I think it's one of those ones where I don't know if their cost-benefit ratio is right. I don't know if the K3 is the right number on it. I like that it's counting the number of smuggler personnel, but I think I would like it better if it referenced the cost of the smuggler you're playing. I would like it better if it was, oh, I played a one-cost smuggler, I can go download a one-cost card. Oh, I played a four-cost smuggler, now I can go download a four-cost Well, but then on the other hand, if, you, if you're counting your number of smugglers, then, then it stops you from, from just splashing this card in there and a couple of smugglers just so that you can download some other stuff. Which way would you see this battle going? Man, I gotta, I gotta tell you, the Romulans and the Klingons have had the closest battles every time. Both of the teams have put out some good cards. They put out some cards I have some problems with. They put out some cards I didn't like. I really gotta say, it's too close to call. I'm, I'm on the fence. On the face of it, I'm wondering if some of the costing issues is, are gonna hurt the Romulans, but at the same time, the Klingons have the whole number three versus word three problem that, that could hurt them. I, I really think it's too close to call. We're going to have to see what the judges think and what their comments are. Hopefully it's not quite as close as the last battle. that's all we have for you this week. We, we've given you our first impressions of the cards. Now we need you to go out and do your part. It's time to vote to see which team can win the public vote. Voting is open until Friday, February 19th at 8 a.m. That's Eastern Standard Time, which is uh, GMT minus 5. So every vote counts. You know, we had uh, about 10 more people vote for the last challenge than we did for the first challenge. I, I'd really like to see that trend continue. We'll be back next week with some... Uh, conversation about the results and we will give you challenge number four it's a good one you're gonna like it it's gonna be exciting well for this week i'm neil timmons and i'm charlie plain and the immortal words of captain picard make it so
The Make It So podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. For more information, visit www.creativecommons.org. Some of the music in today's podcast is brought to you podsafe free from Mevio's Music Alley. For more information, visit www.musicalley.com. Make It So, the search for the next assistant game designer is brought to you by the Continuing Committee, home of the first and second edition Star Trek CCG. For more information, please visit www.trekcc.org, www.trekcc.org.